Hallelujah. Say amen. All right, let's quickly take our declaration of understanding, and then we'll sit down to teach the word of God on prayer. We've been praying for some time. Um, let's quickly take our declaration of understanding. All right, are we ready? Now I declare. Now I declare. That the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The Lord is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All right. We are beginning to round up the teaching we have been having for some time on prayer basics. Um, today I want to begin to speak about what I call aids to prayer. Aids to prayer. Now I'm going to read two portions of the scriptures to start today. Let's just give a background again. Let's start from the book of Acts chapter 4. I just want to look at two ways that people prayed there. Please let me remind us. Men ought how often to pray? We ought to how often pray? Always. You know what always means? It means always, thank you. It means in the morning. It means in the afternoon. It means at night. It means when you feel good and when you don't feel good. Always means when you are feeling very happy and excited and when you are feeling depressed, you pray. You pray about every situation. You pray just to pray. Sometimes you want to go to the Lord, talk to the Lord, and there is nothing specifically you're planning to ask him for. That's a matter of fact. You just want to have fellowship with him and have communion with the Lord. And what does prayer mean? It simply means talking to the Lord. What is prayer? It means invoking the power of God by talking to him. Now, that's one correction I had to make in recent times concerning prayer. I had to strictly define it because I realized for a long time we were involved in a lot of prayer-like activities which were actually not prayer. And today I want to talk about what I call, okay, maybe I should put it like this, prayer-like activities and aids to prayer. That's what I'm going to be talking about now, all right? There are a lot of prayer-like activities we are involved in which are important in our lives and important for us to be able to pray effectively, but in themselves, they do not constitute prayer. So a lot of Christians got involved in those. I mean, I grew up under some of those, um, uh, um, you know, those things. Which one do you use now? Yeah, environment and those activities. And we were not praying. We thought we were praying. I look back and I said, no, we're not praying. When you are praying, you are talking to the Lord. I will say this. I heard somebody say recently. You are not even talking to the Holy Spirit. Yes, you talk to the Father. In the name of the Son. I hope you're getting my point. You also can talk to the Son. But there's no way where you are still to be having conversations with the Holy Spirit. I hope you're getting my point. Uh-huh. Prayer, we have to define it strictly. 
We have to define it strictly. Let me say something. I'm going to get into that today. Before we realized it, over time, we began to take to, how did he say it again? Spiritual powers, you understand, that they don't even understand. That's when he remarked the fact that when um, Michael had to say to Satan, the Lord rebuked thee. Did you catch that? Let me give you an example. A lot of times, again, along the life, God gives us um, the time. Well, even if it's not today, maybe next time. We'll get to it. Sometimes Christians take authority when they don't have authority. It's not everything you have authority over. Many times people rebuke the devil, and the devil at that time is not rebukable. Yes. Because what he's doing, you know, was it um, which king was going to fight, and the king of Judah wanted to stop him, was going to attack Israel? And, and that king of Egypt said, hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. What is your problem? Is it Neko? Is Neko? The king of Egypt. He said, am I going on this journey without the authorization of God? So when the king of Judah wouldn't stop, he killed him. And God allowed him to kill him. He said, God has sent me on, a, on an errand to go and discipline that nation. Eh? And you now want to stop me because they are your brothers. He said, which kind of zeal are you operating? He said, Is, am I now going without the authorization of God? Let me just get the, the story. Escape me for a moment. It would be good to just get that story right. Just give me a second. So he killed the man. Just killed him for nothing. Now, see, the, the point I'm going to make is that you find a lot of times, okay, the people of God get into, let's try Second Chronicles 35. Uh, yes, verse 20. And he was a good man. Josiah was a good man. So after all this, when Josiah had set the temple in order, Neko, king of Egypt, came out to make war at Kashemish on the Euphrates, and Josiah went out to engage him. But Neko sent messengers to him, saying, What have we to do with each other, O king of Judah? I am not coming against you today, but against the house with which I am at war, and God has ordered me to hurry. <laughs> Sorry, we are laughing. I find it very funny. Troublemaker say God said that you hurry. <laughs> he says, Stop for your own sake from interfering with God, who is with me, so that he will not destroy you. However, Josiah would not turn away from him, but disguised himself in order to make war with him. Nor did he listen to the words of Neko from the mouth of God. But he came to make war on the plain of Megiddo. The archers shot King Josiah, and the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I am badly wounded. So the servants took him out of the chariot, and carried him in the second chariot which he had, and brought him to Jerusalem, where he died, and was buried in the tombs of his father. Now, why did I read this story? Because, you see, the man went, okay, to go and interfere with an unbeliever's assignment, for God. Did you hear that? I use the word unbeliever now. Because sometimes the Christians, I see it because we're thought believers' authority, but I think one of the things we were not taught was the boundaries of the believers' authority. Many times we started binding things that didn't concern us. Many times we started binding things that were authorized by God in the life of Neko, king of Egypt, because we didn't like it. Now, I remember I was, just a few days ago, I was meditating on something. 
There was a preacher I listened to long ago, a man I love so much, I listened to him. I like his messages. And there was time he gave a prophetic word about a particular nation. Now, it's not Nigeria, okay? But I'm going to use Nigeria as to illustrate. It's not Nigeria. So he said that, now listen to this. He said the church doesn't do certain things, and they seem to focus on prayer, that within a short while, the economy of that nation was going to be cut in half. That is the value of things. Okay, so that definitely means that inflation. So when people are now going to pray, and I remember the prayer they prayed, I look back now, except God gave that word prophetically, I don't think that prayer would have amounted to much. What's my reason? Because this was how people prayed. They said, Satan, we command you, take your hands off the economy of our nation. And Satan was looking like, did you see my hand there? And then we don't realize that the economy of a nation is not under the hand of Satan. Now, the word Satan, you have to be careful what it means. He's an adversary. He's basically a tempter. Do you get my point? He's a trickster. He's a, which other word now? Accuser. He has, he can only come to try and persuade you to cooperate with him to get judgment against you from God. So you cannot bind him in the time of judgment. You can only resist him in the time of temptation, number one. Number two, you can oppose him in the time of accusation. You hear what I said? You can resist him in the time of what? Temptation. And then two, you can do what? Oppose him in the time of accusation. And the only way you oppose Satan in the time of accusation, just one way, not two ways. There's no second way. It's just one way. It's when you plead for mercy. You don't go to arguing. They don't lie in God's presence. Nobody comes in there and tells lies. Satan will tell you you did something. Tell God you did something you did not do so that God can... can, You can do that before human courts. The court of heaven, you cannot. When it comes to demand judgment, it is always within his rights and within the use of facts. Now, they may be twisted because it's confused. Do you get my point? But then he can't tell lies. What I mean is that he said, does Job serve God for nothing? Are you getting my point? He may have been mistaken. In fact, now I'm thinking about it now. Maybe Job actually was still serving God because blessing was coming. Do you get what I'm saying? And God needed to take Job to another level. That's possible. I just realized as I was saying that. Okay? Now, so, when you go to that point, you don't go and argue. Satan say, this man lied. Say, Lord, I didn't lie. Start giving facts. Don't worry. It's irrelevant. If he said you lied, you lied. Not because he's already telling the truth, but because before the judgment throne of God, inaccurate facts can't work. Do you get my point? Uh-huh. So if he was saying you lied and you didn't lie, you don't have to argue it. It won't, it won't even get to God's presence. It won't fly, like we say in our colloquial English. However, if he is right in that your motive was wrong in what you were doing and he brought you before the judgment throne of God so as to get judgment against you, or he says the land is filled with violence, so he's demanding that God should bring a famine upon the land. And of course, his aim is to, dis, um, how do I, the word I'm looking for is to discourage the saints, is to wear out the saints. One of the things Satan does is to try and wear out the saints. So he can actually attack economies to wear the saints out. You know, I prayed a prayer 
not just a few minutes ago. I prayed about something. And my reason I said, God, please, don't give me distractions. I don't know where I get my point. Because if I'm too distracted, there are things I will not be able to do. So Sinter actually, he likes that. He can attack the economy so you spend all your money on fuel, on there's no electricity. You're, you're just so busy trying to live comfortably. Satan does that. The aim is to wear out the saints. He wants to wear you out. He wants to make you so tired you don't want to live in the country anymore. He wants to drive you away stylishly from the place of your assignment. He wants you to not like to stay in Enugu, even though you're supposed to be in Enugu from there, doing whatever work God has given you. Take me as an example. I'm a preacher. And I'm, without any shadow of doubt in my mind, I believe the Lord says, stay here and from here, teach the word. He wants me to get tired. He wants the traffic to frustrate me until I'll start eyeing a back leaking. <laughs> do you get the logic now? It's called wearing out the saints. He likes to do that. Now, but he can't just go and sit on the economy. No. He has to bring forth arguments before God. So he can say, the land needs to have farming. And the judge of the whole earth must listen. But he has to give us a reason. What will he say? The land is filled with violence. Those things work in the presence of God. He can say the land is filled with deception, lies, men cheating men, people defiling the land with all kinds of sexual immorality, which you see in the scriptures, it pollutes, it defiles the land, until the land vomits of the inhabitants. He can bring that kind of argument before the judgment seat of God. The only thing you can do is to ask God for what? Mercy. So when you get to his before judgment, we don't go there to be arguing things. We will always plead mercy. When you face the Lord, you plead for mercy. And he listens. We've talked about that before. Or in this series, but if, let me just please say it. You need to build up your strength in righteousness to be able to download mercy for God. Small digression. Let me go into an area. You don't do things because of you in this life. That's a low-level way of living. Always have a bigger picture in mind. What do I mean? One of the reasons why God wants you to be righteous and be uncompromisingly righteous is that in the time of trouble, when he is being compelled by accusers, Satan and all his minions, people trying to walk with Satan so that he will judge the land and he doesn't want to. Don't forget, God is just. If Satan says, judge the land... He must judge the land. If all the accusers with Satan, they say judge the land. If he doesn't have any intercessor, he must judge the land. If the accusations are right, if he comes to a village and says these people, they defrost strangers. They murder the fatherless so they can take his land. The widow has no support amongst them. I hope you're getting my point. And he stands and says, Lord, throw them out of the land. Give them, give their land over to another. No matter how much God loves those people, he will do it. People will come. Violence will break out. Communal clashes. People will kill each, kill each other until nobody wants to live there again. The headsmen will come and colonize the place. And you find out why it started. You should be surprised. Some people want to stay there by force. Ebola will fall from the skies. By the time he kills like 50 people, the rest will disappear. It's called the land has become defiled 
and it has vomited up the inhabitants. I hope you are following my point. Now, this is what I will say. If God doesn't want to do that, you know what he does? He quickly looks for what? An intercessor. He quickly looks for an intercessor. And he will say, somebody, stand before me and plead for mercy so I do not pour out my wrath upon this land. If he doesn't find, he will. And not everybody who shouts for mercy gets it. Those who shout for mercy, especially on behalf of other people, and get it before God, are those who personally, that's where I began from, they have lived righteously before him. They are walking in righteousness. They are walking in faith. Do you get my point? Yes, they believe in God. They walk before him. They fear him. And many times they've probably even been injured in that place. But they look beyond their injury and their loss in that community. And they say, Lord, have mercy. And because of them, he has mercy. And his mercy is not just mercy without end. His mercy is a postponement of judgment till the revival breaks in. Now, revival can take 10 years. I'm not saying it's going to be, in the, in, 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 I mean, it has to be immediate. But then he will suspend judgment until that person who says, don't judge them must pray for other things. You must pray that laborers will come to the harvest field. You must pray that the gospel will prosper there. You must pray that the heart of the people, do you get me, will yield to the gospel. And you must pray that the hardened ones will be removed. Yes. If you don't pray, that's one thing the church doesn't do. We think we must mercy, mercy. No, you have to pray that God, anyone here that will not open his heart to the gospel, not wipe him out. Why should he yet be there taking the land and consider himself into an obstruction to the movement? Now, don't mention names, though. Because you don't know the heart of man. But you will say, Lord, you have to do that. Because when you do that, what you are doing is that you are selectively removing wicked people. Otherwise, the whole land will be destroyed. Many times, lands are destroyed. A lot of people are daring. They don't know they are left from their right. True. A lot of people suffer. They don't even know. They just part. Now, it doesn't mean they didn't do wrong. Go. It doesn't mean they didn't do it knowingly. They are shooting people in a place. A 16-year-old boy joins his, I mean, his elders to be shooting another community. What does he know? He's just doing what the elders are doing. Do you follow my point? Now, of course, somebody is from the pastor. How do you know that? Go and read it now. God was going to destroy Nineveh. Was he not going to do that? Why didn't he do it? He repented. But did you notice what he said to Jonah? Do you know how many here don't know they are left from their right? But he was going to destroy them. Did not know they did not know they are left from their right before. So that is why in life, now says a digression. You should, you should make yourself such a person that can pray. You go to an office, everybody is cheating. There's a reason why Satan will give you the biggest amount of money to steal. Why? Because the day he wants to destroy the whole place, he wants to shut your mouth. They don't pay you well, they don't pay you on time, so you start doing things that you're not supposed to do. What Satan has succeeded in doing is to ensure that the time that intercession will be needed for that establishment, for that industry, you will not be able to talk. That's why I tell people, see, obey tra- do simple things like obey traffic lights. Pay all the small, small taxes they tell you to pay. Business premises. Pay those small, small things. Are you getting my point? Thank God. I don't know. Do, this, do we still have a problem with uh, people bypassing electricity meters? I don't know. But maybe we still do. I don't know. We still do have. You must never do that. The little, little things you just do. 
The reason, now it's hurting you, you could be smart like other people. Sometimes you can have a justification like it's the country, it's not my fault and all of that. The problem, however, is that even if God does not come and punish you for your iniquities, the time he needs an intercessor, he can't count on you. The time he needs an, look, like I say, sometimes I get into traffic, I'm in a hurry, look, you can just pass here and I say, that traffic, traffic will scatter. But you know this is Nigeria, you know, on this earth. Now, this is not an insult, just a description. God will help us, amen? amen. Counting from below, I'm sure we're like, we should be among the five worst places to drive. The average Nigerian driver does not know there are rules. I've been driving for a very long time. Okay, not now. That time, I've been driving for definitely more than 15 years. No, what am I saying? I've been driving for more than 20, but only in a car, more than 15 years. When I finally learned what the stop sign was. No, they call it stop sign. Most people don't know what the stop sign is. You, have you ever seen that sign? Stop. Why was the sign saying stop? And you know what they stopping? Everybody, boom, boom, boom. Nobody, the only people that stop there once never, those who want to cross the road, so they stop beside the stop sign. But it's not there for them. Do you know the first time I, let me not confess my sins internationally, let me leave it. I knew many other signs though. But that one, I did not know why. Nobody obeyed it anywhere around me. Nobody. But one, I think this country is one of the most lawless when it comes to driving. Anyway, this is where I'm going. As a child of God, do you know what? I try my best to drive according to the rules in traffic. Sometimes the traffic is about to scatter. You want to quickly be the, jump across, like this junction here. It happens sometimes. Sometimes I behave like a fool. People will say, this guy is a fool. I know. I'm being foolish for a reason. I get there. I deliberately stop for the next guy to pass. A lot of times that's going to cost me some time. But once you tell him to move, everybody just rush behind him. Now, where people are very civilized, once that guy moves, the next person waits for you. So you end up waiting for each other until there's no, there's no reason for you to have a traffic lock. But I just take the risk. I wait. No, you pass. Why do I do it? There must be a point from where correction comes into the system. I volunteer to be that person. The traffic will scatter, I said, but let it not be that I'm the one that scattered it. That's where I'm going. I don't, when it has finished scattering, hmm, I'll now join the cacophony to navigate myself out. But I must never be the one that initiated the disorder. People of God, don't forget this. It's important. Because the time to pray, God checks those things. Many times we just shut down our ability to be important in God's presence. We shut it down. Because of little, little acts of iniquity. I don't think they matter. Let me get back to telling my story. So Satan, if he wants to destroy a place, he has to make petition before God. If the destruction will not be granted, it will be because there are intercessors. I just took a small digression to let you know what intercessors are. It's not just somebody who prays, but somebody who lives in a particular way. Let me say that again. You are an intercessor not only because you pray. Now, praying is intercession. I hope you get my point. Begging God, basically intercession is asking for mercy. Asking the Lord to fulfill, in his, fulfill his word in the life of another person or a people. All right? The church of God, stuff like that. That's what intercession is. An intercessor is the person who does that. Now, but you are not an intercessor simply because you pray like that. You are an intercessor also because your prayer 
or your prayers can be heard. You are an intercessor because you live a particular life that makes God take you seriously. You are an intercessor because when God sees you, please let me put it this way. Please get me in context. He respects your presence. A man like Daniel, the Bible says, the angel came to him. He said, he saw Daniel. He said, oh man of what? High esteem. So when Daniel will get on his knees, heaven will notice. Do you get me? Please, live your life in such a manner that you can pray. I've said it to us before. God aims to put one person in a family to pray for the rest of the family. If he has more than one, fine. If everybody in the family is an intercessor, beautiful. But his desire is to have at least one. As a family, father, mother, five, six children. And then child number four is his intercessor in the family. Can be a man, can be a woman. Can be young. You are not too young to be. And God just says, him, I have placed my hand on you. You. You know, like Jesus said to Simon, to Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you all like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. So in that same light, imagine it. God now says, you have placed my hand upon you. I have, listen to this. I have used all the mercy available to your family on you alone. If I spread that on everybody, it wouldn't have accomplished much. So I've taken a kind of mercy away from your father, from your mother, from your other siblings, and I've placed it upon you. For that reason, they all went to church, they didn't hear anything. You heard, and you believed. For that reason, everybody got the opportunity to go to different places. I withheld your opportunity, the thought, the people, so that you can stay here and hear these words that they are preaching in this particular church. I located you amongst a group of people who love the word, who love the things of the spirit. So they have instructed you. Yes, you may be young. You may just be 16, 17, 18, or maybe older than that. doesn't matter. But God says, now you have a job. You will, two things now I told you. One, faith. Don't let them, Satan's job is to make you like other people. Satan's job will be to tell you that, see, look at your elder brother. At, at your age, he had a car. You don't have one yet. Your father is looking at you funny. They always knew you were not a normal person. That's what Satan does. Satan wants to put you under pressure. So you'll be like everybody else. His aim is just one thing. So as to make it impossible for you to deliver the other people. So your father decides he wants to give you other title. <laughs> Satan's aim is just to neutralize you. He wants to make you normal. He wants to make you, make you common. Now, in that process, of course, he won't come and say, oh boy, you know what? I want you to be normal and common so you can be useless. He won't say that though. I hope I get my point. He's going to show you the path to material progress. He's going to show you the path to importance in life. That's why I gave you the example. Your father will not drag you that he wants to go and give you a title. For one reason, the day he will jump everybody else. Is you are the one he will pick. Or he has given other people, it's your turn. And you, if you don't know, you will now foolishly carry your head there. You will now cut leaf, say things on you. What you are doing, say, mm, say, he say, he say, 
How do they say men in Igbo? He said, oh, it's the same thing down in the Dutu. Okay. So he said, you'll be saying, he said. Your Obama will say, I share. All of them is the same thing. You say, he share, I say. Well, let me Even down to Middle East, amen. It's not the same thing. You'll be doing, you'll be doing incantation on your head. Do not tell that. It doesn't mean you are serving other gods. It just means that you want to, they will be lying to you. One day, some, two people, one of them very close to me. I changed my name. The name I be and is not the one I was born with. That was not the father, the name my father used. And I, two people there said, I know now that's not what it means. That what you did, that's probably with you Christians. You will just be, is actually originally that the name of an idol. So we're talking about. He said, it's God it's referring to. I said, hey, how come I'm the one discovering? All of you didn't tell me this until I did this. I went to primary school, secondary school. I learned Yoruba culture. I'm hearing this for the first time. Which revelation is this one? That the name of an idol is not the name of God. All of it is satanic counsel. I'm telling you the truth. Satanic counsel, that's how it is. So. One day, that same Satan possessed Mary. Came to move Jesus out of ministry. Jesus had to use style to rebuke her too. Without insulting his mother. Say, who is my mother? Who are my brethren? Mommy didn't come to church. She said, I should come out. She doesn't know who. You know, they said, who's my mother? Those who are hearing, they are sitting here, hearing the word of God and doing them. Said, the same is my mother. That is, my mother, I don't know you if you don't come to church. You should go to your village to go and preach. What if your mother doesn't come for the program? Don't go home. From there, go back. She didn't come to see us. Say, Mommy, I came to preach. Anybody that didn't come, it's not my mother for the day. You won't see your own mother. I had 10 mothers that day. So the women that came to the church. Don't worry, they didn't do evil. They are following the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. People are telling me funny things like that. That, you know, Satan. That, 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 that's that name of the idol is the name of God. That's what they will tell you. They will be putting leaf on your head, dipping it in water, and shaking it on you. So you are now an ozo. <laughs> and you foolishly stay there. You don't know what they are doing. They are neutralizing your ability to pray for the other people. Nothing bad will happen to you, not immediately. You leave that place, your father will get worse. You become more hardened to the gospel. Your brother that was smoking five packs of cigarettes a day before, you go up to ten. Your younger brother that used to use just, just small Indian hemp, now he's going to Guru Miri. <laughs> just because of it, your elder sister, she just divorced one husband, about to move to the third one. Once you finish your ordination, she divorced that third one. That's it. And you, you are the problem. You are the problem. You won't know. Why? God wanted to rescue them. He said, you have taken you now. Be on your knees. Pray for these people. Satan said, ah, pray for who? Where? I've told you, Satan doesn't have the kind of people think every time will just come and say, oh, your brother will not hear the gospel. No! If you pray, he will hear. Say this family, they will never see light. Satan said, we'll never see light. He desires it. He can't say it. You must understand. Satan understands spiritual things. He doesn't de- because spiritually, if you declare what you cannot accomplish, they will judge you for it. Yeah. This is Satan decrease. He may be foolish. He's not stupid. Why? Stupidity and foolishness. Foolishness is that you're not following the order of God. Stupidity is that you don't understand life. What is foolishness? 10 plus 10, you know it's 20. Then you credit into your wrong account. Do you get my point? Why? You want to steal the money. That's foolishness. What is stupidity? 10 plus 10 is 11. 
Verse 2. <laughs> that is, you don't know what is going on. Satan is foolish, but he's not stupid. So what will he do? Say, who's praying for this family? He says, that boy, the fourth born. Okay. Give him another title. That's it. And of course, you know how you do it? You show your friends who are others. They, when they come to the village, the clout, they have a meeting where you can't attend. You not say that. Oh, even inside church. They have the other of the church. Satan has entered that church. <laughs> Satan don't call a membership card. Yeah. You now start feeling inferior. You know what Satan is doing? He's trying to make sure you can't pray. That's what I'm going to emphasize. So one reason why you do all of those things, you suffer humiliation, you suffer the, you know, ostrac... What's the... Give me the English. Ostrac... Are you sure, Apostle? You don't know English, <laughs> Now, by the way, you know, I beg. Is it ostracism? Anyway, you will be ostracized. That's how to do this thing. Just use the one way there's no controversy. They will start suffer everything. They will mock you. One of the things you can do for yourself in life, God can do for you. Eh? For you not to be noticing all those things. And everybody goes to, you go home Christmas, everybody driving sharp, sharp moto. They, 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 you, know, you, know, you know in the village, you say, this is Igbo land, yeah, right? So those of you who are listening for Western Nigeria, you won't understand what I say. Those of you in Eastern Nigeria, you get my point, you know? When you are going, the, the, <laughs> now, now when I come to Igbo land, they, they deceive me plenty. They didn't know. They said, that, where is that barrier taking place? They say it is at Udi. Me too. I, t- I thought it's Udi. I normally pass on the road. We'll not get there. They said, turn here. Hey, that's two hours. <laughs> two hours of untarred road. <laughs> said, turn here. Said, is there a road? They know behind that tree. Ah. <laughs> ah, I've learned. When they say, where is the barrier? Udi. I said, how many kilometers from the main road? <laughs> Many kilometers from the main road. <laughs> one day, my mother-in-law, blessed memory, she came to Enugu. She said, going for one, uh, one of their people doing um, is it wedding. So uh, that told me, now come carry Udeo. Udeo, please, you meet my mother-in-law and her entourage somewhere to take them. They said, the place now, where's uh, Judah? They said, now, 90 miles there around. I said, ah, that's not a problem. Just the road to, then there was no other road like this. So on the road to Suka, it's not a problem. Ude Chuku said, yes, he would take them. He went and waited for them. He entered Moto. Oh, boy, the rich one joked. Ude said, turn here. The driver turned. After they drove and drove, my mother-in-law said that, this young man, where not that is my son-in-law that sent you? I'll have said we are being kidnapped. <laughs> 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 he, 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 told you, that, Ude, he said, this young man, it's just because I know it's my son-in-law that sent you. Otherwise, they drive. And so, Pass one Roko tree, one Belebo tree, turn here, pass one stream. Ah, ah. They lost inside Biafran jungle. <laughs> A lot is good. Anyway, the point I'm making here. So, you're going to the village. You go that, you, 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 know, from that main road to go inside. They have some old rickety buses. Do they have on your side? Yes. You wait at that junction. Use two hours to load. As, that, as your friends are, you know it's Christmas time. They came with the SUVs because there's no road to your village now, you know now. So <laughs> they all came with SUVs. 
You now come down from that bus. The bus now stop, and you now come down. Satan will make sure that they've all just gathered as you are coming down. Then when you know when God has blessed you, you want to know? When you come down and feel nothing. You just come down and say, Hey, Uche, you don't land. You hug guys, shake everybody. You know, give them fist bones. Hey, hey. He said, conductor say, Oh, God, come carry your bag now. Say, sorry. You go and remove your bag. You drop it. You continue to gist. Like nothing happened. Why well, you know your salvation is still far? Eh? This is how you know. Once you read that junction, I said, no, 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 be here. Next, next. <laughs> the guy will go, you go and drop 200 meters down. And cross from the back of one compound to another one. Finally enter your own father's house from the back. Just know your salvation is still far. You have, you have been saved. You have not been saved. S-A, nine day on. V-E-D, they never had that <laughs> The Lord is good. What am I going to say? That's what Satan does. Satan just says, I want to deprive you, all right, of your ability to pray. Because you're not fall for temptation. The Sunday you leave the place, you now get back to Enugu. As me, you are married, tell your wife, ah, person says shame this Christmas. Oh. Ah, disgrace. My God, why will you remember me? I say, this boy is not yet born again. Say, Pastor, no, God doesn't call anybody Pastor. Say, okay, Mute. Say, yes, my Lord. Go and baptize that boy again. Why, Lord? He's not saved. Tell you. Bear it in mind. You have to be to go, you have to be able to go to such places and don't feel anything. You know why? Why I'm saying this? You are the only intercessor they have. Those boys with the big, big motto can't pray. They can't. All the liturgy they are going through, God is not listening. When they have problems, God has to call you. And say, Mecca, come. Lord, what is it? Pray for your cousin. He's about to die. You won't know. Just remember him that morning. Ah, how's my cousin? How's Chidi doing? Hey, Father, have mercy on him. It's been a while. That boy refused to give his life to Christ. God, please don't take it against him. I ask for him. Then, uh-huh. You've just bought him another five years of life. You don't know. Headsmen are about to attack somewhere. Because these are spiritual forces. If you read your Bible, you'll know these are spiritual forces. These are spiritual forces that have been sent to afflict a land. You can read your Bible. You see, they are there in the scriptures. Who, 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 who took out Job's men? They were the ones. When God withdrew the hedge of protection, they came in and executed the judgment against the goods and the workers of Job. Sometimes he's coming. God just said, look, somebody needs to pray. He, look, he had the only one he has to call. He's been calling you again and again and again. Satan can't stop your prayer. Forget that. And people have said things like, Satan will now wave that. God won't be able to hear you. If Satan tries that one, eh, God will squeeze him and put him in lake of fire earlier than scheduled. He doesn't do that. As long as you are offering your prayers, God hears it. Satan has to take you away. That's it. He has to take you away from that place by sending things to you that are not real. Yeah, you know everything on this side, there's nothing that's real. I've studied enough of this astronomy and all of this, uh, this uh, space science and all of that. I've read enough of it. And I bet nothing here is real. All of this, I don't even believe anything again. All of this is imagination. They tell us we're in a local group, local cluster of galaxies, which nothing can ever read the next one because they are separating at a speed faster than anybody can ever hope to travel. So how do I know anything is there? He says, the light that's coming. Do you know who's generating the light? From where? I told you that about retro-causality. 
Ha. So you don't just say, I better leave this. Some of this lies being generated by us. When you think bad things, one star will appear from one wrong angle. When you think righteous things, stars will come from other. When you pray well, you see star in the east, announcing the sun, the, the, the arrival of the Son of God. Ah, let's not even go near there. Many things on this earth, there's nothing that's, don't worry yourself. One day you're going to wake up, blink, and realize that you've just been deceived for a long time. Now watch the film Matrix. That Matrix is the closest thing I've seen to reality in recent times. Everything is an imagination. So they tell you to imagine that you are poor. You too, you will believe it just because you travel to the village. <laughs> and I'll give you a prayer point. Next, you come home. Lord, my sheep will speak for me. I'll be giving useless offerings. May you not give a useless offering. Amen. Say amen, no? amen. May all the useless offerings you are giving be forgiven you. Amen. I didn't say recover, though. This year I chose my prayer well. Somebody expect me to say we'll be recovered. not recover, we'll be forgiving you. Polluting heaven with offering of money. Lord, as I'm dropping this seed, heaven will hear and release a motor car. Seed of iniquity. Why? Because you believe they lie. That somebody told you you are poor when you are not poor. What's it I'm doing? Just trying to deprive you of the ability to pray. And of course, somebody is supposed to pray for we insult you when you went to that village. The one that's about to die soon is the one that will first laugh at you. Please don't be offended. If you're offended, he will die. Don't look at him. Have compassion on him. Anybody that feels important because they bought a car, please go and pray for him. Yeah, these are, these are people going to hellfire. You feel like I'm now your senior because my car is bigger than your own. So even if their neighbor buy a motor, they have to go and buy a newer and taller one. Otherwise, they won't sleep again. If you are like that, you are living on the edge of hellfire to give your life to Christ. Nonsense. If I find someone like that, please pray for him. He's in trouble. Don't be offended. Pray. The prayer, see, the prayer is not kneeling down. Sometimes that will happen. I will get my point. But even doesn't happen. Simple things like, Lord, have mercy on him. It's a powerful prayer. When is it being prayed by a righteous person? No, I'm talking about that righteousness. You've given your life to Christ, fundamental righteousness, and you are living in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respect and bear fruit in every good work. So anytime there's a crisis there brewing, he looks to you, say, pray for your people. Many of you think about where you're from. Gospel is not penetrating. Make it a prayer point. I've said, said to you before, spend money too. That's why God blesses you. Alright, I went to all of that trying to emphasize something. Alright? You know, you know, you know, of course I know where I began this from. Just that when you start sometimes, that's so preaching me. You'll just be going like this, going like this, going like this. You'll not miss your road. But it doesn't matter. People are being blessed. Have you? <laughs> but at this time, I know they miss my road again. It's rare. I'll just find my, even if you don't help me, I help, Holy Spirit helps me. Between me and the Holy Spirit, find our way. But I can know where I began from. So I was telling you about somebody who led a prayer, remember? For a country. And they were saying, Satan, take your hand. And I said, no, no, that's not how to pray. If Satan wants to destroy that land, it will be because he's pleading their iniquity before the judgment throne of God. He's pleading words that have been spoken against the people before the judgment throne of God. So if you want it to stop, you will go before that same judgment throne and plead for what? Mercy. You will plead for mercy. 
you will go before that same judgment throne and plead for mercy. And I took all of this time to explain, you that's going to do that, you must be one that God listens to. And I was emphasizing that that's one reason we walk in righteousness. For example, you're a father, you're a mother. Your work of righteousness is not just for you. It's for your spouse, your husband or your wife, and for your children. You have to be able to intercede effectively for them on God's, before God's throne. You have to be able to say, Lord, now this is a funny one. All right, but if you have that heart, let their judgment be upon me. Now, that won't work. You see, um, um, Moses tried it. God said, forget that thing. The person that sins against me is the one that will wipe out the name. Moses tried it. But I know it won't work. But I'm talking about having the heart to say it. That's what I'm talking about. That's why God will listen to you. Having that heart to say it. So that's why you have to be there, able, living a life that God can call on you. Because there are times God looks at the situation. There's nobody to call. You know that? Have you read about that before in your Bible? What did he say? I sought for a man. Why? Who will stand before me so that I will not pour forth my indignation upon these people? He said, but there was none. Therefore, I've tilted the boiling cauldron, cauldron of divine anger against them. I'm, I'm trying to explain what he said there. First thing he did was to look for somebody. And what I'm just adding for us, let's be that person. Make sure you are that person he can call. So, in every circle, like I said, God picks one from one family and all of that so that people can intercede. In the nation, he picks many so that they can intercede. And that's what I said the other time. Did I explain it here? Yes, it was here I was saying it. The inauguration of our new president, our new government, happened two weeks ago, right? Plus one day. That was two weeks ago, yesterday, Monday, all right? Why many Christians were there whining and grumbling? People were negotiating. On, see, uh, who is any president? Can you see now? Did you see that they've done it? Yeah, they did it today. Those negotiations have been on for some time. Why some people are there whining? <laughs> Leave Supreme Court alone. You just, the one that's in front of you, handle it. Supreme Court or Junior Court, all the laws signed in the last two weeks, they are laws. Yeah, where? The law that's devolving. Federal hold on the electricity is in effect right now. Student loans, the law is in effect right now. So I said to people then, please be, look, handle things in front of you first. Pray that the wicked man will not become Senate president. Pray that the wicked man will not be Speaker of the House. Pray. Now, of course, now that they have a Senate functional, ministers will start rolling out. Pray those prayers. That's what you should be busy with. That is what we should be busy with. Anyway, I went to all of that and emphasize something. I was in that one to illustrate prayer-like activities and aids to prayer. I was saying that Christians often don't pray, but they are involved in a lot of prayer-like activities. And some of those activities, unfortunately, because they are not undergirded, first of all, by prayer, they are misdirected. That's why I went to all of this. So they start addressing Satan when they can't. That's why we read the story of Neko. In Second Chronicles chapter 35, they start addressing Satan when it's not within their powers. They go to territories where they don't have control. They take authority. 
why they don't understand that what they are doing is not praying. Prayer must be directed to God. It's a conversation between you and him. It's a conversation of requests. It's a conversation of gratitude. It's a conversation of appreciation. It's a conversation of, you know, submission. It's a conversation of it's petition, supplication, and intercession. That's all I know it to be. That is, we go before him and say, Lord, you are good. Lord, you have been good to me. The first one is praise. The second one is thanksgiving. Lord, you are good. At describing his character. You are good to me. You are describing what he has done for you. And then you say, Lord, you are with self all the days of my life. You are consecrating yourself to him. Those three, we call them the prayer of what? Worship. Praise, thanksgiving, and consecration. There are times, of course, these three, please, let's not forget. I think this should fill our, our prayer. If you just tell me to roughly estimate, I will say 90%. These three things I've said. Anything less than 90%, we need to improve upon it. And it's so easy to make it 90 because you are constantly doing it. One of the habits I try to teach us here is to just take a, a, a psalm and just read it out. God helps us in our home. We do that every morning that we pray. That's why we start, just like we start here on Saturdays. We just declare the glory of the Lord. We just open a psalm like, like this Psalm 97 here, beautiful one. We're reading it um, yesterday and this morning. Say, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Let the many islands be glad. You're describing the glory of the Lord. Say, Lord, you reign forever. Describe that fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries round about. I'll talk about this later. In verse 9, it says, For you are the Lord most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You are declaring the, you know, the greatness. You can do that constantly. Just by the way, that's why songs were given. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, songs were given. Please learn songs that truly praise God. There's one song by Nathan Abbas I was singing. We're playing... Played, I don't know how many scores of times in the last few weeks. Giovannisi. You know, just describing the Lord. Talking about um, you, are the, you are the first and the last. You know, you have done many more things for me that I can ever do for by myself. Now, by the time, it's a song, but you spend, in case you don't know, that's prayer. Because just be conscious that this song I'm singing, I'm singing it to the Lord. So it's possible to make that prayer of worship the majority, um, in my own estimate, 90% of your prayer time. Small digression again. Songs are important. Use them well. What did I say? Songs are important. There's nothing you are doing with Bonaboy. Did you hear what I said? What is Skelewu or Skelewi? I don't know. Please. One of the ways God rams his words into our heart is through songs. One of the ways we can praise God and not be tired is true songs. The whole of Deuteronomy chapter 32 is a song. That song is so long. Ah, the song is long. Deuteronomy 32. It's a song. It's a prophetic song to tell people the way back to God because he knew they would miss him one day. Go and read it. The song of Moses. He gave the history of the people. They spoke as if at that point in time they were in apostasy. And he described how they will get back. The idea is that these children will learn that song 
God knows how these people, they are going to miss it one day. Then one day they will sing the Lord's song. Do you get my point? And they realize, that, hey, hey, we are in Babylon. This is why we are in Babylon. Then they will begin to repent and then God can restore it. Restore their captivity. That's the point I'm making. So songs are beautiful. Sing songs that praise God. Songs that fill your head with divine precepts, which is what you find in that Deuteronomy chapter 32. Small digression there. So we are to take that as our regular prayer life, mostly occupied with worship. And worship is praise. Worship is thanksgiving. Worship is consecration of our whole lives, declaring that we will serve him all the days of our lives. So I was saying, we have to be careful that what we're really doing is praying, not just doing those prayer-like things. Like, like I, gave, I gave us an example, or I will give us an example. This taking of authority thing is one of the things we have to do at certain times, but know for sure it does not constitute prayer. That's not prayer. It's not. Prophesying is not prayer, even though it is good. It is not prayer. Um, blessing somebody is crucial, but it's not prayer. Why? You are taking authority. You are exercising your authority. When you are exercising your authority, that's when you can pronounce a blessing. I hope you're getting my point. So pronouncing a blessing upon somebody is not really prayer. It is Now, please, I'm not saying it is wrong. Go. Did I say that? I just said that you can't be... Many times people have been preoccupied with those things and they are not praying. You get to a place where I declare in the name of Jesus that from here to here it's our own. Doesn't mean have any meaning. It doesn't have any effect. It's ultra virus. No lawyer around here. No lawyer in this house. There must be. Yeah, lawyer. Why are you not smiling like you are? <laughs> no. What you do is that if you want that portion of place, you know what to do? You go and ask the Lord for it. You decide, then you pray over it. Now, after you have prayed. Alright? Now, and you have the witness of the Spirit that the Lord has heard you. Then you start speaking according to the answer to the prayer. I hope you're getting my point. Sometimes, and I, you know, the other day I talked about how to get rid of um, doubt so that unbelief won't enter into your heart. There are times you don't speak exactly. Let us assume that maybe I need a plot of land for something as an illustration. And I feel like this one that somebody is showing me that they want to sell... It's good, so I ask the Lord for it. I hope you get my point. Now, there are a number of ways you can handle that after you have prayed. Prayer is the first thing. Don't just get and be declaring anyhow. No. That's why a lot of us, like I was saying, we did for a long time, but we're not in the right because we're not praying. We're taking authority that we did not have. And that's why a lot of times people had, uh, let me say, many. there were so many disappointments because prayer wasn't said and we thought we were walking in faith. You can't have faith, listen to me, you can't have faith in yourself. Do you hear what I said? Do you hear what I said? You can't have faith in yourself, you can't have faith in your knowledge of spiritual principles, you can't have faith in your ability to pray, you cannot have faith in any other thing apart from in God. I hope you're getting my point. So, because sometimes we have faith in that I have declared. There is nothing inside your declaration. Many of us were taught, we thought that was faith. If I declare it like that, it makes it so. It's not true. What makes it so is if I declare 
what the Lord spoke first. Because who is it that says a thing and it comes to pass when the Lord did not command it? So you can't have faith in your own ability to declare something. We learned some funny things. Those, Like I said, people were not praying. They were getting into... Um, let me borrow the word. Getting into witchcraft. What is witchcraft? It's when you as a human being want to control things on the earth outside God. That's pure witchcraft. Do you get my point? You want to control the weather. It's witchcraft. Pastor Banky, shouldn't we control the weather? No, you pray to God about the weather. He said, but Jesus spoke to the storm. He said, whatever I see my father do, that is what I do. I hope you're getting my point here. So, that's one thing people didn't understand. That you need to get into the counsel of God first. What the Bible said, the prophets have to, first of all, be in his counsel. That is, they must have gone to God to pray. So, you may go to that plot of land and finish praying. And you, have, you know in your heart, God has granted you. But remember, that is it's not really the land you need. That particular one. Let us assume now you want to build a house for yourself and your family. Or you want to build a factory. You want to build a business. What you need is not that plot of land. What you need is a good plot of land that will not give you trouble and will be a tremendous blessing to you. You are just praying about that one now because you think, you perceive that it will be good. Do you get my point? But sometimes it will not be good, but you don't know. So many times we've been taught to just go there and declare, in the name of Jesus, I claim this land. I've learned not to do that anymore. What have I learned to do? To give the Lord thanks because he has supplied all my needs according to his riches in glory. To thank him because he has heard me. They say, what if I like that? I will go there and read a psalm over it. <laughs> Why is psalm? The psalm, funny enough, is declaring the will of God, is magnifying the name of God and giving thanks to God without directly claiming a piece of property. However, because the word of God is alive and active. Now, what does it mean for the word to be alive and active? Let me tell you what it means. It means the word of God takes shape physically. It can become an instrument of war. It can become a person that will execute. It can become a law that's written. It can become a need in somebody's life that will say, sell this. It can become anything. It's alive and active. It means the word of God can think. So I could go there, declare that Psalm 23 like I was saying to you because I have already prayed. Remember, we started with what? Prayer. I go and I declare it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Ah, this land is good. Father God, I thank you. Because the lines are falling for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage in the name of Jesus. Go, no, I'm looking at it. Hmm. I'm declaring something three. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What's the next line? It means that in green pastures. What's the next line? Let's beside still waters. What's the next line? It was my soul. Then? For his name's sake. Then? Uh huh. I fear no. For the Lord is. Yeah, alright. You keep on declaring it. His rod and his staff, they do what? What's the next thing he does? Say it again. Let's change it. He prepares what? Thank you very much. He prepares a land for me. Just keep on declaring it. But if you notice something, I have not. Many people say that you claim that one. No, I have not claimed it. Now I say, what? What you are saying now? What will he accomplish? That word is alive. I finished praying. 
There is an if. People think faith never has if. It has. It can have if. It can have an if. You know why to have an if? Because you don't know whether this is the very one that he has chosen. So I can say, if it pleases the Lord, he will give me this one. Now, that does not change anything. They have not put any doubt in anything that I've said so far. But the word of God now goes out and says, this is not the one. I'll give us an example. So next day you come, you're looking at the land. Father, I give you praise. I'm giving you praise. Somebody can say, oh, what are you doing here? Say, I'm thinking that maybe they want to sell land, I want to buy it. Say, eh, buy what? Anything you build here will collapse. So why? We did a soil test about five years ago. We discovered that this top layer is very strong, but right below it is a flowing level layer of mud. It can take a house, not a problem. But anything higher than four floors, eventually we sink. And the thing you want to build is eight floors. Can you see? Now let me ask you a simple question. Have you been discouraged? Think about it. No, no, because you were never locking your face on that. Your desire was there, but your faith was in God. So you continue without changing anything. Nothing has changed. But your eyes have left that, or your faith has not wavered. Then the man telling you that, say, ah, you really need land? Say yes. For what? You tell him, ah, this area won't be good. Or God. <laughs> it's an angel, God said. It's a human being, but it's come as an angel. So let me show you the area you really need. Takes you there, say, anything from here to down six kilometers here, perfect for this kind of thing that you want to do. And I, I know people in government, they say they are putting a road here over the next two years. If you can get in here now, ah, suddenly you have insider information. Then you go and negotiate. Next, you no know, God works different ways. There's one way you could do this. Now, you can do many things. Now, you know you have insider information that a road is coming out here in the next few years. In the next two years. Now, let's assume it is genuine, because I don't want to put too many variables so as not to confuse us. You now approach people say, please sell me this portion of land. <laughs> they tell you it's 100 million. Oh, boy. All you have is 15. Maybe you just sign an agreement with them. I'll pay you bit by bit. You go to a bank say, please. Then they sell it to you. You do all the normal thing. You do the surveying. You get your paper. And then, as you are fin- then you go to a bank to finance part of it. As you are finishing the deal, six months later, bulldozers come, begin to grade. You know how for the value of the land you just bought? Starts climbing. But you, you will bear it in mind. You bought three times what you needed. I don't know whether you're getting my point. No, God does different ways. Within two years, that thing is ten times as costly as when you bought it. You sell off two of it, pay all the loans you have on the other one, and you have more than enough for what you want to do. Please don't go to school and go and teach a method on land speculation. Don't. That's where you will cause confusion and God will be angry with you. That's just the way by which he provided your own. So at the end of the day, not only do you have the land, you have the money to go far with it. Why? Because the word is what? Alive and active. But many people who don't understand these accessories to faith and faith-like activity, they stay there. Oh, in the name of you, we march over it. We march over it. We march over it. We march. We march. This one is our own. And once in a while, it works. Because they've harassed God so much. God says, if this one does not work now, these children will die of heartbreak. Give it to them. He said, but what about the land that is not good? God said, don't worry. Whatever they want to build, we collapse. But you give them the land. Ah, if it's you that harass like that, won't you give them? <laughs> he, said, but they are, he said, don't worry. When they start the construction, I will have mercy on them. I will lead them away. 
After they have given all kinds of funny testimonies, I will not drive them away from there and refund them their money. Do you get it? That's why I don't let, look, I don't build my life on many people's testimonies. Whatever testimony you are giving, I look at it very closely. It doesn't lie with the order of God. I leave it. Say, thank you very much. Even, look, you can harass Moses and get meat. Is it diary after you won't write in your book? Many people have written testimonies on how they harass Moses until meat came. We were in that wilderness. They said, we will not eat meat. Oh, they said, we will not eat meat. I said, meat, I must eat. In Egypt, I was rich. So meat, I must eat. Oh, I began to declare. And do you know what happened, brethren? Quills became all over the land. Meat, enough, hallelujah. Let's go on with our message. It's a lie. The guy, after they finished eating the meat, <laughs> oh boy, hospital full, cholera. People were fainting. He won't give us that testimony now. He only tells us the part in which he got meat by a force from God. The Lord is good. What's the point I'm making? Prayer is directed to God. But the other things we do, and that I call them prayer-like activities, accessory to prayer, we have to be careful that we don't replace prayer. All right, the Lord is good. Now let me just continue. So what are some of those prayer-like activities and accessories? I'll just give us a number of them. Number one accessory to prayer, which I would just like to remind us of, I'll explain that one and then we'll be done, is agreement. What do I call it? Agreement. Let's look at the words of the Lord Jesus Christ concerning that. All right, let's open our Bibles quickly. The book of Matthew, chapter 18. Let's read this. Now, I won't spend too much time teaching about this. Maybe we'll just introduce this and then we'll go. Be- well, we'll introduce and finish it because we've talked so much about it in recent times and along the line as we're going on, especially because we began to teach. Ah, this will be started before election. Abby? Anyway, what I was referring to that is that when that election thing was going on, I've been talking so much about agreement. I want to believe that everybody has been following me. They've been following the agreement uh, principle as I've been explaining it here and there. Now, uh, which verse now? I said Matthew chapter 18, right? Let's start from verse... Um, okay, let me just start from verse 15. Even though uh, the issue of uh, reconciliation and church discipline is not the primary thing we're talking about. Verse 15, it said, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses still to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and as a tax collector. He answered in verse 18, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound or shall have been bound in heaven. That the Greek there is quite tricky. So different translations um, say different ways. And whatever you, you lose on earth shall have been loosed or shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, which is why I'm reading this, verse 19. If two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. 
Sometimes we talk about a prayer of agreement. But I've established to us that every prayer must be a prayer of faith. Do you understand my point? An agreement really, um, after I reasoned about it, is not a kind of prayer. It's one of the aids to prayer. Some of the things that must be in place if prayer is going to really be effective and be of faith. What do I mean? If I pray about my own personal matter, it's my matter. I don't have to agree with anybody apart from myself. So once I'm in agreement with myself, it's fine. That's what the Bible calls, I'm not double-minded. But then, if I have to pray about my family, especially my children, it's very important that my wife is in agreement with me. The matter doesn't concern only me now. Do you get my point? It doesn't concern me alone. Many things in life don't concern just one person. If you see the context in which this was spoken, it had to do with an assembly of brethren. So what the Lord was saying to us, which we must learn, and which has made praying for Nigeria very difficult. Getting, and that's one reason why we have to be persistent in praying. Because many times you pray about something. God can answer the prayer like this. Let's assume, now, let's assume you are brother, let's give you a name, Caleb, and your brother, Joshua. Let me assume I'm Moses, just because I'm the one talking, right? Now, the rest of you here are not, some people outside, I can't use you people to do Congregation of Israel, unbelieving generation, it's not good, is it good? <laughs> so three of us are leading the whole of Congregation of Israel outside. Now, did brother Caleb believe God? You know the story. Did Brother Joshua believe God? Did Elder Moses believe God? He didn't enter the promised land. Forty years, all of them were in the wilderness, including those that believed. Did those that believed, were, they waited for those who did not believe to die small, small. They, were, they, they died over the next 40 years. When everybody had died, only those who were 20 years and below, all right, or under 20 years, when that thing was first, when that experience first happened, Kadesh Barnea, they were the only ones that now entered with Joshua and Caleb. Even Moses did not get in. Now, where I'm going is this. Why couldn't God just take Joshua and Caleb in? There are many reasons. But one important one that I want to bring out is that even though their heart could enter, the entrance was for the nation, the congregation of Israel. So God needed to bring the other people into agreement with Joshua and Caleb before they could enter the land. I hope you're getting my point. So what he required on his part was to kill off all the unbelievers. I don't want to say some things while we are streaming. But in this country, eh, God has to get rid of people for the nation to be able to move to another realm. Yeah, God just wants to take them out of the way. That their unbelief will not let things work. I said many, I didn't say everybody. Do you get what I'm saying? Please get my concept. So many times, what God does is this. When he wants, when we are praying about something, you, you offer some prayers that are conditions attached to the fulfillment. There are things that must be satisfied before you can enter. Look, and if sometimes even you that's praying it, you're not ready for the answer. Do you know that? But you won't know. Many times, okay, let me give an example. This would be a perfect illustration. Do you know Israel as a nation, they were not ready for the Messiah, even though they were praying for him. 
had. They were not ready. Now, I'm not talking about ready with sin, that is, for forgiveness of sin and all of that. If the Messiah came, the meaning of Messiah was not nice to the average Israelite. Let me give you an, let me explain that. When the Messiah will come, one major thing the Messiah will do is to make their temple useless. I don't know whether you get it. The Messiah was going to destroy that temple one way or the other. Because the Messiah of God did not need a physical temple. If the Messiah will come, Israel will stop being a special nation. You know, this Hebrew of Hebrews, all those that they are doing, they wouldn't, wouldn't exist anymore. The Messiah will come and show them the only circumcision is the circumcision of the heart. The circumcision of the flesh is useless. There is no Jew or Gentile. All are accepted in the Messiah. I hope you're getting my point. Listen. God forgive Simeon and Hannah. If you had said that to Simeon and Hannah, I'm not sure if they go free in that prayer. They were like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Because those guys were brought up with a superiority mentality. There are things I can't say, eh? So you don't offend people. <laughs> Sometimes I look at human beings. I say, see, why we like you are alive? There are things God will never do in this country. We never do in this nation. I spell it in this region. People like you, being alive, no, it don't happen. Because God removes my... Hey, see, like I was saying to you, the nation of Israel, if God were to show them really what the Messiah is supposed to be, one of the signs of the fact that the Messiah has arrived is that the Greeks will suddenly become as important as the Jews. And you go and see Jesus Christ. When the Greeks began to look for Jesus, he knew that the time had come for him to go to the cross. Do you know why, you know, there was this great sheet. Remember that great sheet that was being lowered and carried up and lowered and carried up and lowered and Peter was doing Jangelova in the vision. Remember that vision? All of it is because Peter could not believe that he and Cornelius are now mates. Jesus, after teaching and teaching, when he was about to, you know he was with them for three and a half years, we are told there about, okay? Teaching them. They were following him up and in case you don't know, they slept in the same house, ate together. The, every conversation of Jesus Christ had meaning. He didn't use a joke like me. He used to joke, but not like me. Every joke he cracked could be taken literally. Spend that amount of time. Then after resurrection, 40 days of... This time around, there was, did they heal the sick in 40 days after resurrection? Did, did they heal the sick? Did they do crusade? They were in the corner, only disciples... He taught them. The father was about to ascend to heaven. What was the next thing the boys were saying? Oga, uh, sorry, I wanted to ask you. Will you at this time restore the key? Oh, God. Have you, if you're a teacher, you know what I'm saying. You have finished giving lecture for one hour. You have been teaching them about paramecium. I said, so what is paramecium? He says, the sleepers in our house. You know, you want to faint. You want to faint. How can paramecium be sleepers? No, along the line, you say sleeper-shaped. That's the only thing you said, though. That has to do with sleepers. <laughs> you are there explaining and explaining and explaining. This is the nucleus. This is the cilia. This is the cell membrane. This is this contractor vacuole. One hour on paramecium. To leave the class, say, hey, you, what's paramecium? Says, my father's sleepers. What? What? No, one, not both sides. Each one is a paramecium. My father has two paramecia. 
You don't, you don't know whether to faint or to kill somebody. You don't even know which one to do. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. That was what happened. Jesus Christ finished teaching and teaching all this while. And I said, we are at this time restore the kingdom back to Israel. When Jesus had told them that his kingdom was not of this world. After everything he had explained, they didn't get it. That was one reason why Jesus just said, Peter, you can't do this work. Let me go and look for a wicked soul. His name is Saul. Don't worry. We'll save him and clean him with the blood of Jesus. And then he can preach the gospel. Because left to Peter, after Cornelius, no other Gentile is entering that kingdom. <laughs> I know what I'm telling you. And then you see Brother Paul. Just say, God bless you, Brother Paul. Paul. It took somebody like Paul to let the other Gentiles enter. Anyway, the point I'm making is this. Eh? Sometimes, we are not ready for the answer to the things we are praying for. I can say this one for you as a, as a matter of fact in Nigeria. Eh? Many Christians who are praying, they are not ready for the answer of God. They are not. They absolutely are not. So sometimes, when we are praying like that, I'm just going to say that sometimes prayer, prayer, that's one reason why answer takes time. God has to convert you into someone who is ready. It takes him time. He doesn't just do it magically like that. It may be interactions, explanations, disappointments, answer to smaller prayers, different things about the next three, four, five, six, seven, sometimes 10, 15, 20 years. It happens. Before people can now come into, listen to this, I want to now interpret it in another light now. Gossip Banky. You and your friends are praying, it's okay. It's okay, but I need to have at least 200,000 people who think like this, spread across this land. So I've heard you, but continue to pray. But each time you pray, I'm raising more people. So your persistent prayer now is now being converted to an engineering method for bringing more souls into the prayer circle who have the same mind, the same thoughts, the same expectations. Because I would say 200,000 spread across the nation. Just by the way, that is why if you are a preacher, preach. This one that we are preaching on radio here and there. You know, sometimes I've wondered, why are we spending this money? Because, now, I'm not angry, but there's a way kingdom world runs. Those I used to listen to people like Ken Hagen, they tell you that if they are broadcasting an area, hmm, they check the offerings coming from that area. It has to be enough to pay for the radio station there. Otherwise, they stop it. And it's reason that if he's, if he's blessing them, they will support it. If they are not supporting, he's not blessing them, they shut it down. Now, don't build your ministry like somebody is building his own. In kingdom world, we have no such calculations. We have no way of knowing where offerings and support is coming from. We don't check. The only thing we check is just one thing. What is it? Phone calls. If you get people send off text messages, phone calls from an area, they are listening to the message. We have shut down a number of radio stations before. Two now we have done. Because we did not get enough Feedback. Somebody should just call. I mean, maybe nobody's listening to this radio station, so we have to shut it down. But we never checked money. Never did. We never did. But God always supplied money. Now you see where I'm going. One thing I now found out, all right, is that wherever money is coming from, it is to send the word out to those areas to raise the army of God in those areas. I hope you get my point. Many people being raised don't even know they are supposed to support ministry. I don't know what I get what I'm saying. They are still, they still don't understand it. In fact, when Paul began to preach, you will understand, Paul went out not expecting anybody to support their ministry. Go and read it. The only people that supported him were, which people? 
the Philippians. He said, no church communicated with us in this matter of giving and receiving apart from you people. So only the Philippians will remember, say, ah, Brother Paul went to Thessalonica. Send them something. But you know what? It didn't happen with Peter like that. I don't want to go into that now. It didn't happen with Peter like that at all. But I won't discuss that in details. So each person, you must know, if you're a minister, know the kind of ministry you're doing. Now, I'm talking about our own. So I learned that as long as the word is going forth, he's raising an army for God, I know. I don't doubt it in my heart. One of our brothers was here this weekend. He just sat with me at the back and told me his whole life story. He said he's saying it so that I will know that the word we are preaching is changing lives and that most of them will never sit with me the way he and his wife sat with me that day. He said, Sir, just know that it's working. I don't know where I get the point. He said, this is how my life has been. These are the things that, I, he said, the word has blessed me spiritually, even materially. The word has been converted from the realm of the spirit to physical things for me. The word has helped me make decisions. The word helped me marry, have children. Have, you no, know, he just, he said, this is what the word has done. And he said, how he got to know, know us. Maybe he was driving or... He, anyway, he heard the radio in Port Harcourt. He just heard the radio. And he's being raised as one of what? God's army in this nation. So I don't have any doubt. I'm just encouraging preachers to bear that, that in mind. Put the word out there. Push it out there. People are being raised by the entrance of that word, by the dissemination of that word. That's the word I should use. By the dissemination of that word, the Lord's army is being raised. Now, this is the point I'm not making all of these things, okay? So sometimes it takes time. So that's why we don't lose heart. It takes time. God may have said, this is the number I need to come into agreement before this thing can happen. When Satan wants to scuttle, let's go back to Satan for a moment. All it does is to cause disagreement, which is engineered by ignorance and misunderstanding. Let me end it briefly here. That was when, when this last election was going to happen. It pained me very plentifully. Do you know till now, a lot of preachers still don't get the point. Let me end with the talk on politics. Please, if you are listening to this, go and read my book, Don't Quit the Army. No. Okay, read that one, Sha. But that's not the one I want to say. Which one was I trying to say? Let us agree. Inside that book, I taught on agreement prayer. Even though the book was on politics, Election was coming up in Nigeria. So the book was on the, the you know, electoral issues at that time. But please, I introduced it by talking about agreement. So read the book. The book was written in the year 2023. I don't know when you are listening to this. And, oh, no, 2022. Yes, end of 2022. For our election 2023, which held around the February, right? Yeah. Because the church was making a terrible mistake, which I explained inside the book, that you must come into agreement don't go into areas where you cannot be in agreement. I told the church you cannot support one candidate as a church. As individuals, you can have candidates. You have your preferred choice. But as a church, you can't. If you do, you create disagreement. Because we know. NNPP. What's the name of, what's the name of NNPP? Anyway, one party called NNPP. What's the name of their presidential flag bearer? Analogy, right? Yeah, he's a Muslim, so his running mate was a Pentecostal bishop. I said, whether you like it or not, he's part of the body of Christ. He must be in agreement with you. 
Pasunde Bakari, one of our foremost prophets, at least before in Nigeria. He used to prophesy a lot. He has not done much of that in recent times. I don't mean any insult. But we know him as a big pastor in Nigeria, don't we? Yes. He was running as a presidential hopeful on the platform of what? APC. He lost in the primaries, but at least a member of APC. True or false? True. The outgoing president, he's running, he's a vice president. He's a pastor. Pastor, you know, <laughs> that man was an idol in Nigeria. Not from his own side, but from our own side. Many Christians were waiting for him to be president. They waited, 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 on the tenure was about to end. Then they, start, they began to prophesy that God will still use him. What will happen? On the day of inauguration, Balatinobu will be arrested. And the soldier that were arrested will now crown Yemishi. Yemishi, I'm not you people's God, though. We turned that bro. You know one reason why we're prophesying nonsense? We thought this, the Lord's anointed, surely is before him. As far as we're concerned, Yemishi Baju was the Lord's anointed. You want to know the truth? He never was. Pastor Bank, how do you know? Did he enter? <laughs> It wasn't. Okay, let me tell you how I knew. We judge with the sin of our eyes. That's all. He was no, very good Christian. We thought that's the perfect person we needed as president. God said, no, 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 he can't shoot people. God gave a prophetic word into the mouth of our current vice president. He said, prophetic, yes, I read it prophetically. He said, why not Yemi Oshibajo as your... <laughs> he said, Yemi Oshibajo. He's a good man. He's a nice man. He should be selling popcorn and ice cream and obolobo. That he can't be president. That is too nice. Many of us were so angry. You want to know the truth? The man knew what he was saying. We judged with what? The sin of our eyes. The Lord said, we said, no. So we started prophesying. We didn't prophesy. We started talking nonsense. Most people who spoke were not prophets. They were just social media users. Selfie. The Lord spoke to me yesterday that by this time next week, we had prophets all over the place. It was very terrible. But God gave me insight, all right? Listen to teachers who know what they are saying. I kept on telling the people of God. Did God speak to you? I don't know. But the God that is speaking to you, you know he first spoke to Tundebakari, that he's the, what did Tundebakari tell us? Anyway, that is the next president after President Buhari. That I have never said it before, the Lord spoke to me. See and so, senior prophet. Then junior prophets prophesied their own. We now had a, a potpourri of embarrassing prophecies jamming each other. We don't know who is Hanani. We don't know who is Zedekiah. We don't know who is Jeremiah. Every year they say, two years, 70 years, two years, 70 years, two years, 70 years, two years. Uh-uh. I have to go online and tweet, say, brethren, please, forget prophecies. Just go and vote. Vote for whoever you like and leave it there. But, back to my message, let us agree. I said, it's clear to us now, we cannot agree on a candidate. It's so obvious. Some candidates have seen the Lord spoke to them. Are they supposed to agree with you? Of course they cannot agree with you when you're not saying this. You didn't hear what the Lord said to them. I said to the church, please. I wrote in the book. I broke it down. NMPP, running mate, a Pentecostal bishop. 
APC has a pastor and prophet saying God said to him that they are the ones that will win. He will be the winner. We saw all of those things. I said, so can we agree on the candidate? No, but there are things we can agree on. People of God, that's one problem Nigeria has had. The church don't seem to be able to come into agreement. Half of the church is still saying, divide this country. It was, not, it was not started by God. So God said, those of you are praying. Hmm? You want to hear the truth? Those who are saying that, they don't know. I didn't speak to them. But for me to bless all of you, I have a choice of two. Either I remove those who are saying it or wait for them to be converted. Did you hear what I said? It's discouraging, but it's just the reality. I either remove those who are saying what I didn't say or I will wait for them to be what? Converted. So that is why, brethren, you don't have a choice. You must pray for the church of God in Nigeria. Because until we come to a certain degree of agreement, all the prayers we are praying will be in suspension. If you are in a family... Prayer of agreement is not a type of prayer. It is something that is necessary for your supplications and intercessions for your children to have effect. As a church, prayer of agreement is not one type of prayer. Agreement is something that must be achieved for all the prayers you are praying for the country to have effect. Israel wrote that book, Let Us Agree. I said the church can agree on certain things. Number one, that violence will end. Can't we agree on that? We can agree that only the man who will do the will of God will win the election. Can't we agree on that? Whether we like it or not, we can say the man doesn't have to be the person I vote for. Can't we agree on that? We can agree that whoever God will put in there, he will put good people around. We can, so many points we can agree upon. And we can agree to be friends and brothers, even though we're in opposing political parties. Can't we agree on that? We can be in a church. The pastor is voting NNPP. The dickies are saying, Pastor, you're on your own. We are voting Labour Party. You know, it's true. And they will laugh about it. And they will argue on why. No, it's very healthy. I like this man. These are my reasons. <laughs> People don't understand. I don't like him for this reason. And they will argue at the end of the day. They join us. Father God, we are going to vote tomorrow. Father, let your man win. In Jesus' name, amen. Let whoever will win. Okay, Father God, we want to pray. Evil doers will not smell that place. If they sit down there, Thunder will fire them. Have mercy upon us. Then we'll leave that place. We are six. We vote for four different political parties. At the end, one of us or two of us or more, our political party will win. And the others will say, ha, now wow. They all laugh over that. They will come back to pray and give thanks again and begin to intercede again for the nation in agreement, even though we are different political parties. You can be in agreement and disagree on policies. Did you hear what I said? You can be in agreement on principles and yet disagree on policies. For example, somebody said, remove subsidy. You say, no, I don't agree. But when we finish, we join hands and say, Father God, the right decision will be made for this nation in Jesus' name. Why do you say remove? You have something in mind. Why does other say don't remove? He has something in mind. Those are fine details. That's what Jesus called the weightier matters of the law. They are weightier matters of agreement. You and your wife don't have to agree. The color of your house will be red. It's not as important. You know what you do with that kind of thing? Say, Pastor, so it's not important. Yes, leave it to the woman. Now, what's wrong with you? How can you be there calling over color? Are you not even respecting yourself? Ah. You are dead. They arguing, arguing, morning after night. Should they paint the house red or blue or green? Say, Madam, paint it black. I'm going to walk. And they come back. When you see your house looking like the house of the devil, doesn't matter. <laughs> Those are not weightier matters. That's the point I'm making. That's the point I'm making, all right? 
But whatever is, let me just summarize it here. Agreement is necessary. As a couple, you walk till you get to the point of agreement. You want to preach for somebody, please. Walk till you get to the point of agreement. You can't, I pray for people before they are laughing. If I'm praying for you now, you never see me close eye. That one stopped long ago. If you close, I quickly open now. If mistakenly, I want to pray for this man now with his head down. And that's why I'm praying for him. Hey, and you see me close my eye. I quickly open my eye. Because now you are praying for people, they are looking at you and laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you are praying for mercy. They say, why are you laughing? You say, Pastor, no be so. I am going somewhere else. You are saying, God should prosper me in this land. I don't collect visa. Which one they pray? See, no, we don't do this. Apostle, you never see that kind of thing before. You are praying to a man. In the name of Jesus, the Lord reconcile you and your wife. He's looking at you. Me, where I don't get girlfriend. Yeah. I pray, I bind the spirit of separation. The guy is looking at you. Spirit of separation. Let I bind the spirit of the new wife with me. In Jesus' name. I'm telling you. That's why if I'm praying for you, I ain't closing my eyes. I'll be looking at you like this. In Jesus' name, God bless him. God bless him. I'm looking at you. <laughs> looking at you. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's end it here so that we can go home. <laughs> the first aid to prayer we're looking at again is that issue of what? Agreement. Hopefully, I don't hope not to speak too much about it again next time. We'll look at other ones. Like I said, taking authority is one. Whatever you shall bind. His authority, his authority, which you take after God has given to you a revelation on that particular point based on prayers you have said. Okay? We'll talk about the rule of meditation and then proclamations or prophesying. I'd like to give you a lot of thanks for today. All right? Say, Father, thank you for teaching us. Say, Lord, thank you. Let's thank the Lord. Say, Lord, we are grateful. Oh, we are grateful. We are grateful. We are grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Blessed be God forever. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. All right. Um, quick announcement, a regular announcement. Our next meeting will be um, on Friday, like you know. And of course, you know, it's a Bible study where you have um, the opportunity to ask questions and also make a um, contribution. So let's gather again on Friday, then on Saturday, 7.30 a.m. Uh, we hope to see you again. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Right, shall we just stand up and right, let's share the grace in fellowship as we go. One, two, three, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out of from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Prophesy to two persons. Say this is your season. Season of the demonstration of the Spirit. One more person. This is your season of the demonstration of the Spirit. And then prophesy to yourself. This is my season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Cheryl, brethren.